This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to The Real Reel, where I take you behind the Instagram reel and into the real lives of entrepreneurs, content creators, and anyone who inspires me and may inspire you too. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and let's get into it. Some of the, like the best connections I've made, some of the best advice I've heard has just come from that, from random conversations with people who you don't feel like could really impact what you're doing, but just like taking the call or whatnot uh, can really change your whole mindset. Just treating everyone with dignity and respect. So most meetings and whatnot, I try to go in with very little ego and things like that. Because I think people kind of become so shut off to feedback and things mm -hmm. like that. They're like, oh, I know better. But it's like, do you really? Yeah. Or do you know better that you're not going to, you know, li even listen to this person or listen to what they have to say? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Real Real podcast. I am so excited to be here just recording with you and doing these intros that are a little bit longer and inform you more about my life and we get to catch up. I just, I really, really do love them. And I'm not even going to lie. I've started thinking about podcasting more throughout the week, not in the sense of like, I am thinking about adding more episodes, <laughs> not yet, but I've just been thinking about I'm like, oh my God, I'm so excited to update the podcast or I'm so excited to podcast. I think with the mix of my new equipment, because I do have a new microphone, if you can't tell, I signed with a network, by the way. Oh, hello. What? Yeah, I've signed with a network, which is so freaking exciting. I signed with Podcast Nation and I'm just, I'm so excited. I'm so over the moon. They are the sweetest team. And it's just been one of my goals to sign with a podcast network for such a long time. I feel like with my podcast has been a hobby for a while. And don't get me wrong, it is still a hobby. But it was never for the money for me, even though obviously money is a perk to doing things. It is. It was never for the money. And I'm still not really getting paid a lot from it. But the fact that I signed with a network is so validating. It's so exciting. I'm just so thrilled and over the moon. And it just makes podcasting a lot more fun. Let me tell you that it makes it a lot more fun. So I am super excited about that. You won't really be seeing too many changes in the podcast. I'm getting new cover art. I'm getting like a little bit of a new intro music, stuff like that. We're going through a little bit of a rebranding, but not much. I feel like I've just been so overwhelmed that the branding for the podcast was on the back burner. But now that I have a network, hello, a network, <laughs> it's actually going to be top notch. So I'm super excited. But before I dive into our amazing episode today with Dylan, I'm very excited to talk about that. I wanted to talk about my highlights and lowlights, give you a little fill in on what's going on. So 
I would say that my highlight of the week this week is probably signing to the podcast network. I signed with them actually a little bit ago, but we actually started really working together this week. And they edited the first episode already. We're more like I'm, I'm uploading the, the audio files to the drive. So I would 100% say signing with a network is a highlight. Like I said, whenever you start a podcast, I feel like Everyone has a goal to have that validation when you start something new. And with the podcast, I loved seeing that you guys were listening to it. I love seeing the number of reviews, but having a network that's like, we believe in your podcast and we want you on our side and on our team is really exciting. So very excited to be signing with Podcast Nation. They're going to be editing the episodes from here on out. So super pumped about that. And the fact that it was already edited and uploaded on a Monday morning for me this week is definitely a highlight. It's a pro. It's the first real week of kicking it off. And I can say that I fully love it. And it just makes me more excited to podcast and to do these little intros with you. And yeah, I would 100% say that that is my highlight. As for the low light of the week, I actually have to think about that. I always have to think of the low light. Doesn't that sound funny? I mean, I'm so much rather think of the low light than the highlight. But for me, I'm always like, hmm, what went wrong this week? Because I always try kind of like pushing that back and not bringing it up because I'm so used to only sharing like positive stuff. But I got to get more real and, you know, share some negative stuff as well. But I think just for me in general, I don't like to to focus on it. I feel like I like focusing on more of the positivity, I guess. Sometimes if I'm thinking of a low light, I will literally look at my calendar and I'm like, what did I do? What did I do this week that I could say is a low light? Because honestly, it all seems like (laughs) highlights to me. I mean, this isn't really a low light, but there are not enough hours in the day and I've been extremely, extremely extremely stressed and it's I think this week is really hitting me I'm looking at my calendar and I already feel so overwhelmed hitting me because I feel like I have planned out every single hour literally every hour and right now as I'm recording this it was time to record at 4 30 it's currently 6 20 I'm two hours behind there are just not enough hours in the day to do anything and I feel like I literally am drowning in work at all times. And this is not to say like, oh my gosh, I work so hard. I'm so cool. Like I'm so whatever. Like it's not to brag about me. I'm working so much. I don't even sleep because that's not true. I do get my eight hours. I prioritize my eight hours, but there are not enough hours in the day to do anything. And I'm just feeling incredibly, incredibly overwhelmed. And I guess part of my low light, not only just a generic, there's not enough hours in the week because I could probably use that every week. And I do feel like that's a cop out. But just with Rella, for example, I'm going to talk about Rella a lot on here, guys. It's the startup that I am currently building with a team of three co-founders. We've done an episode with them before. But for me with Rella, for example, we're kind of putting down the timeline and like really, really, really hammering out our roles and responsibilities and our day-to-day tasks because up until now, we've done everything together as a team, but now we're really branching out into our individual roles where, you know, the our developers, which are two of our co-founders, are going to be the main developers. They're going to have to be heads down for three months, literally coding this app, whereas me and JA are really going to be focusing on other parts of the business. And with that, I mean, it's just been stressful coming up with the timeline, coming up with the dates, redoing the budget, all of that stuff, like figuring out our goals. And I'm not going to lie, it's been stressful. The very, very beginning of Rella, which we are still in the very, very beginning, but it's very exciting and it's fun. And you're you're like, oh my God, this is such a great idea. And you're working together as a team for the first time. And 
this time it's like I'm starting to get nervous. I'm starting to get stressed. It's it's kind of all becoming real. We're starting to get our first little bit of money that is coming in, which is really exciting that we've raised for a little friends and family round. But it's getting real and people are a little more stressed now. So that is just a little difficult. And I would say that is a low light. But I'm going to be honest, the past week has been pretty good for the most part. I've been pretty optimistic, but this past few 24 hours, I would say I've been really stressed with Rella and just like, it feels so much more real now for some reason than ever before. And I think it's because we actually got incorporated. So we officially got incorporated last week. We were not incorporated up until then. So I think because of that, while that is a good thing, it's just become more real and more stressful. And it's a little scary. I'm not even going to lie, guys. It is very, very scary to be incorporated and to actually be like a real full-fledged company. Like we are now, again, like I said, heads down doing the work. And I would say that is the stress of that is the low light, but nothing specifically happened. I promise I won't use that as a cop-out. I won't be like, oh, I'm stressed as a cop-out from now on. But I truly like once we got incorporated, it was like, all right, we need to like actually, I don't know, like get this done and it's a little stressful. I'm not going to lie. It's a little stressful. So that's my low light of the week, but I promise it will not be a cop-out answer from here on out. I'm sorry. That disappointed some people. Anyways, (laughs) I am very excited by today's episode. If you guys don't know who Dylan Kim is, he is one of the founders of Brevity Backpacks, and it is such an amazing company ran by three brothers. So we definitely dived into that. And if you don't know what Brevity Backpacks are, I'm sure you've seen them on Instagram. I'm sure you've seen them at the airport, on campus. They're really, really popular, and it's because they're such good quality. They're very aesthetically pleasing, and they're just going to last you forever, and you can use them any type of occasion, whether it's school, travel, or if you're a photographer, they have camera gear. So I recently actually made my boyfriend get one, but when I say made, I suggested it, and he really loved it. So My boyfriend is now a proud owner of a Brevity backpack, but they are so awesome and amazing and they pay such attention to detail. This episode is probably one of my favorites because when we jumped into the conversation and we jumped on the Zoom call, it was like we knew each other and we were already friends. Like it was, it was weird. I was like, hey, how are you? (laughs) He has just such a friendly attitude. He is such a warm welcome. I, I just... I felt like we knew each other before jumping into this conversation and we just clicked and it was such a natural organic conversation. So I know that you guys are going to love it. And in today's episode, Dylan and I dive into keeping a healthy and happy company when you work with your two brothers and how their upbringing shaped them into entrepreneurs. We also discuss building a solid company culture from day one, even when it's with your family, the ups and downs of launching a business using Kickstarter, and how they stuck to their mission to create lasting change for the greater good, which is proven in their recent donation of 10,000 upcycled bags to students in need. You heard that right, 10,000. They also give back to the homeless population in New York City. They've given over 150,000 backpacks, which I just think is incredible. They really, really do have a mission and they've had it from day one, which is really cool to see how it's been lived out. Also, fun fact about Dylan, he has been named Forbes 30 under 30. And I also found out that there is no trophy for that. 
There's no trophy. There's no plaque. There's no physical award. It's just a congratulations. You're Forbes 30 under 30. I really thought you would get like a little YouTube plaque or something like, a you know, the YouTube 100,000 or 100 million plaque, like the silver play button or the gold play button. They don't get that Forbes 30 under 30. I was like, I cannot believe that because there are way more people that have hit 100,000 subscribers on YouTube than there are people who hit Forbes 30 under 30. And the fact that Forbes, Forbes is skimping out on that. I can't believe it. But that is one of my life goals is to be Forbes 30 under 30. I have, I'm 25 right now. I have four more years because I don't think you can be 30. You have to be under 30. So four more years to make that goal. So let's cross our fingers and hope I make it. Um, <laughs> but it was cool talking to Dylan about that. So anyways, I really hope that you guys enjoy this episode. But I know that you will because this was one of the most natural, organic conversations that I have had on this podcast. If you do enjoy it, please be sure to rate this podcast five stars on Apple Podcasts. It helps so much. So please, please, please rate it five stars. That would literally mean so much to me. And if you are listening to this episode, just take a screenshot, post it on your story and tag me. I love reposting all of your stories and also just thanking you guys because it does mean a lot that you are sharing it with your followers. So let's just get into the episode with Dylan Kim. Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Eras tour for like the third time. You know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream. It is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 450 degrees, reduces and repairs split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration. And according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today, as it should, with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet. 
Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard-earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. I'm really excited to have you here. I've heard about your story, you and your brothers. So I'm really excited to talk more about it and see how you made brevity to what it is today. Yeah, absolutely. Super excited to chat. Before we get into the questions, we're going to start with setting the record straight. And this is some stereotypes and assumptions, and you'll let me know if they're true or false. So the first one is you need to set company culture from the beginning. Yeah. So I completely think this is true. Even you know, as a company that I started with my two brothers, we have this saying that you're building culture every day. And so even as brothers, for us, uh, identifying whether uh, we're in like a business meeting or just meeting as brothers, all of those boundaries were super important from even the very beginning. I started my, my company Brevity in college, and it pretty much we all were at, you know, three different universities all studying three different things. And so a lot of that would just be meetings over Zoom, meetings over like Google Hangouts. We met at the same time every week. We kind of really carved out what that culture would look like. And then as we've kind of hired people in the years since, it's been really interesting to kind of see how that's played out from like the very early days. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's something that company culture goes kind of unnoticed in the beginning, or like it's, it's easy to brush over it, I guess I would say, because you're so focused on growing the business. But I've just heard that if you don't set that from the beginning, you're never going to set it. Totally. It's never going to be like a cohesive culture as you grow. So I definitely think it's important. Yeah. And I think you hear about these stories, you know, whether, Mm -hmm. you know, it is like businesses or creators or things like that, where they just kind of like harbor this semi-toxic work environment. And I don't think that's ever the intention for them to have a toxic work environment, but because they're not giving definition to anything, it just ultimately ends up kind of going in that direction kind of naturally where uh, everyone starts looking out for themselves, you know, which kind of breeds more silos, things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, completely. And the next one is successful companies need to adapt. So I, I think this is again, true. So we started in 2015 and creators, influencers really didn't exist back in 2015. Right. Like if you had a hundred thousand followers on Instagram, you were like 10 million today, you know, yeah. like you were a massive creator. And so when we started, we were leaning very heavily into Instagram, you know, connecting with creators, things like that. And then now we've kind of seen that switch more, I would say in the past six years, like now everyone's talking about TikTok and like, I personally love TikTok and it's been really interesting to kind of see even just not even like one, I guess, like how we communicate with creators, you know, and like the platforms that we're involved with, but then even to like the type of content that we're making. So, you know, we make a lot of 
like very kind of beautiful Instagram, like our feed's very nice and we put a lot of effort into that. But at the same time, we're like kind of very rough and transparent in making our TikToks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that about TikTok too. I feel like it's one of those things. It's like, I have had three TikToks that have, I'm not going to say went viral because I don't think they went viral, but had like 100,000 views or whatever, like 500,000 views. I put like three minutes of effort into them. Like it was like absolutely like no effort, just talking to the camera really quickly. And then the ones that I actually like edit and like put effort into, it's like, don't do well. I like that TikTok is more like very transparent or very just raw and real yeah. compared to any other platform. I guess like as like a, a, a YouTube creator, like how, I guess like, is that weird for you? Like that kind of like dichotomy? Cause I feel very much the same way where I'm like, oh yeah, we'll have like a big production and then like, we'll like whatever, you know, throw a bag on the ground and all of a sudden, you know, that goes viral. And this- yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. It's, it's definitely weird, but I do think the shift has also kind of started happening with YouTube where it's less edited or more real, I would say on YouTube as well, which is nice, but I still like editing my YouTube videos because I feel like it's such a longer piece of content that you want to have them engage TikTok. You can get away with not editing because it's 60 seconds, you know? So it's like easy to capture their attention. I feel like in that amount of time, whereas YouTube, if it's like not edited for 20 minutes, gets kind of boring. So (laughs) (laughs) and like the level of satisfaction I feel like from those edits right it must be like so much greater on YouTube where you're like "Ah," like when it just works you know right yeah I completely agree and the other one is working on business with a family is easy oh this is a that's a that's a great (laughs) one I would say yes I love my brothers very very much and we're very close and we're also very close in age so I, I have a twin brother and then a brother 14 months older and so we're all like very close in kind of both regards. And I think something that really helped was being raised that uh, if one of us got in trouble growing up, we all got in trouble. So like, let's mm-hmm. say like I acted out and I was like, I don't know, a rude little four-year-old. Um, then like we would all get punished, you know? And so we kind of had this like framework of like teamwork from a very, very early age. Cause it was like, you know, it's like, don't you get in trouble? Cause I don't want to get in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> and I think like little did I know that that would pay off, you know, running a, a business with my two brothers, but it's kind of really helped form us as a team. And so we always have like each other's backs. There's like ultimate transparency. I think like teams that are not family, I think finding that kind of match uh, is really difficult. And it kind of takes a lot of like, it's almost like dating, right? Where it takes like mm-hmm. a lot of work to kind of like build that trust, whereas that trust is already foundationally there. So it's really helpful. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, I could be wrong with this, but I feel like you say what's on your mind more often with your brothers rather than with a business partner. Cause you know, you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings or you don't want to like, ah, should I say this? Or I feel like with family, it's just like, I don't like that idea. Like, I don't like, you know, it's very just like transparent like that. Yeah. And it's like these micro expressions and things like that, where like, for example, like my older brother or like my twin brother, like I know, like, you know, if they're, uh, they like they disagree with something, you know, I, I can just kind of tell. Whereas I think with like a co-founder or someone that's not necessarily family related, it's, it, there's a little more like questioning and inference where it's like, who did I like really say, like, was it something I said in this meeting? Or was it something I kind of said offhand that they like took the wrong way or that I took the wrong way? So there's a little like those steps are just like minimized. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, I think it would make it easier in that sense, but I'm sure that that you also face a lot more challenges too with it. Totally, totally. Yeah. 
And now I want to ask you, so we're doing this like little segment on this podcast. You're going to actually the first guest to be <laughs> asked this question. So I'm honored. Um, <laughs> we want to go back since this is the real reel. It's about social media, how social media is a highlight reel. We want to get the real reel. So do you remember your very first Instagram post for brevity? Oh gosh, I don't. Yeah, well, I looked all the way back through your however many posts. So your first one was just like a logo that says, or not like a logo, it had like a forest in the background with text that said brevity. And it was like announcing your Kickstarter, which I thought was really cool. It was on November 30th, 2014. Uh, And then your first one with actually like the backpack was like in the studio with like the studio lights and then the backpack there. And you guys were saying that the camera backpack is launching on January 26th. So I thought it was cool to look back on just to see like how far you guys have come from there. That one got 300 likes. So. (laughs) Wow. I remember. So I actually, yeah. So that was like, I I guess like one, I took that photo uh, and then two, that logo, my brother actually like hand drew. And then I like brought it into Photoshop and like smoothed it out. And that we were like, you know, great, looks awesome, amazing, good to go. We're gonna like, this will be our logo now. Like there was a, yeah, wow. It's just funny, like, I guess like even reflecting because everything is so like built up from the ground, you know? Yeah. Yeah, just wild. Yeah, and that was around seven years ago, almost six and a half years ago from 2014. So that's crazy at how long it's been. Yeah. And even just how like the brand looks different, the product looks different, you know, so much change has occurred in that like seven years. Like it's wild. Just even think about that. Like I remember that day, you know, like Mm -hmm. we like didn't have studio space. So my brother was studying at uh, the Rhode Island School of Design, RISD in Providence, and they had like a light box. And that was the only light box we knew of. So we're like, you know what? pack up the car like we'll bring the prototype down to Providence and then that's that's like where that photo was taken that's awesome and now tell us a little more about your role at Brevity and what you do because I know you guys all have different roles you and your brothers yeah absolutely so I guess first and foremost at Brevity we're a direct consumer backpack company based in Brooklyn Um, we make like fun and functional camera bags and everyday backpacks I head up all the marketing Um, So everything from um, kind of like anything on like the brand side, you know, like maintaining our uh, like Instagram feeds, kind of overseeing all of that content creation, communication with the customer, and then anything kind of like more forward facing, like, like ads related things like that. So pretty much anything that falls under the marketing umbrella, influence relations, all that I kind of oversee. And then I have two brothers, Elliot, who is head of our finance and ops, and then my older brother, Brandon who is design. And did you guys make those roles like from the beginning or it kind of, that's where you gravitated towards or like when you first started the company, you're like, okay, I'm going to be marketing. You'll be finance. You'll be design. Yeah. So this company started as a project to get my old brother into design school. I was going abroad and I needed a camera bag that like didn't look like a camera bag that like could hold other things. And that wasn't like uh, super expensive. And that's, I guess, like how we started the brand. And so my older brother's really good researcher and a great Googler. And he was like, I'm going to find you a backpack that you can bring and couldn't find anything. Uh, So he was like, you know what, this would be like a great final or like a final project for my design course. He was in like a summer course at the time. He just like bought himself a sewing machine. We like went to like Savers thrift store, bought it for like 10 bucks, uh, 
went to Joanne's fabric and then he like figured out how to make a backpack, came back two weeks later with uh, like a, like a really rough prototype. And then uh, we launched on Kickstarter six months later. Wow. So when you first made the backpack, I know it was for yours, like you wanted one for study abroad, your brother needed one for a project. Did you think when you first created it that it would be a business or you thought it would end there, like just the project and for studying abroad? Really, it was like funny because the, the goal was to get him into grad school. And so, and then like, and then that happened. And then like, it never really stopped. We had our first Kickstarter order come in. I believe it was like 300 backpacks or so. Uh, we fulfilled that like, in my like backyard, essentially, like of my like parents' house. <laughs> and then it just kind of like kept growing. Like we launched two new bags a year later, right after I graduated from college. And like those bags ended up being more successful than our first bag. And then it kind of just like kept progressing. Um, and it just never really stopped. And it hasn't like ever stopped. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. So you start launched on Kickstarter and Kickstarter is a crowdfunding, right? Am I correct in that? Okay. So how was like, did you think it was going to do as well as it did on Kickstarter? What was that like when you first like put it on there? Like how did it do that week or that month or whatever? Yeah. So our campaign was 30 days and we ended up, it was for $30,000, which was just to fund our first round of inventory. Um, we ended up overfunding, raising about, I think like 38,000 and like, like 130 something, somewhere around there. And it was great. And it was all organic. So we, we reached out to a bunch of press, you know, like, Hey, you might be interested in this. The photography space was, uh, you know, there was only so many blogs you could reach out to. And we just like, you know, did a little photo shoot with a couple of our friends, that kind of thing. Our, even our first Kickstarter video was just like us and a couple of friends, like in a park, which is like, just so funny to think back yeah. to. And, then like, and yeah, it just like, we reached out to like a bunch of influencers and creators and just were like, you know, we don't have this bag now, but like, we'll gift it to you when they come in. Um, all you have to do is just like, you know, whatever, share one of these posts or one of these like photos that we've taken. And that was kind of like really how we gained like, early traction so kind of like working with creators working with influencers has been like very much like part of what we've done like since like the early days yeah I think that's I mean nowadays I feel like that's such a good way to get your product off the ground and also to validate that product that like people want it and for you when you first started that Kickstarter campaign you had the 300 backpacks that you were selling you created it by hand at first like your own product but then after that did you find manufacturers right away? Did you continue doing it yourselves? Or like, what did that look like? My hands would be like broken if I made all those, you know, by yeah, hand. Uh, like, that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> and it's, it's really fascinating because I'll answer the question before I go off on a tangent. So with our first round, we actually reached out to a bunch of manufacturers and pretty much any way we could find them, you know, through Google or other Kickstarters, things like that. And we were just, were like, shot them cold emails and we're like, Hey, like, you know, we're a young backpack brand, like would love to like manufacture. And then, you know, you do that a couple hundred times and you get told everything across the gambit from, you know, screw off or, um, you know, acquire my Kickstarter brand or, and then you get a couple of yeses. And so we took those yeses, reached out to all of them. And then we found one that would be willing to manufacture our bag with the contingency of like, we don't have to place like a purchase order or buy all these 300 bags unless our Kickstarter is successful. And so they did all of our like prototypes and things like that. Actually, a funny story is our first prototype came in like massive, like this, (laughs) we still have it. It's like this behemoth of a backpack. 
because we were like, <laughs> oh, we'll just extend every dimension by like a half inch. And you know how like TVs are measured diagonally? It yeah. was kind of like that, that effect where it's like you just increase everything by like a half inch, which makes your bag like go from like something manageable to something like ridiculously <laughs> large. So um, a lot of our photos are like of these like massive bags that we had to like make feel smaller. That's so funny. Yeah, I feel like all of that, like you don't hear behind the scenes, really. You know, it's like, oh, here's this backpack that's out. But it's totally. like all the work that goes before it, like finding the manufacturer, getting the right prototype. Like how long was it from concept to getting the right prototype in your hands and like actually selling it to people? It was like June to January, something that's like that. quick, right? Is that quick? Is that safe yeah. to say that that's yeah. a little fast? Oh. Of course, of course. And I think it was like, because our bar was like, like, we didn't know what, really what we were doing necessarily. So like, even to that point, like, we're no longer with that manufacturer, we switched and like moved away since um, found one that like better fit our needs, that kind of thing. But yeah, very quick. I mean, a lot of it was just like, even like, I think something like the logo, right, where mm-hmm. I, I laughed that that's our first Instagram post, because thought about the idea of like, what we wanted the brand name to be and what we want the logo to be. But like, pretty much from there, like, we were kind of just like, okay, like, let's do a couple iterations, like see what we like the best, and then move on, you know, and it was very much yeah. kind of like, okay, like, this is good. This is 80%. Let's move on. And then we've kind of now since like, put a lot more deliberate thought into everything. Like our logo has changed, the typefaces we use, the whole brand feel, all these things. We're like, okay, let's just get like foundation. And then on that foundation, we can build like a much greater thing. And if you were to go back, would you have done the exact same thing or or are there things you would have changed from the beginning? I think there's some, that initial launch, uh, I don't think so. I think you learn a lot, you know, like I think hindsight's always 20-20 with these kind of things. I think like the biggest thing is like we were always like ready to do these decisions things like that so it'd be like this logo is good enough but we were always really focused on like having like the best product possible and like really kind of moving from there I think where things have come is like you feel like you need to do things sometimes when like you don't actually need to do things Um, Mm -hmm. like a great example was we knew we want to launch these really like colorful bags um, which is kind of what we've become known for is these like poppy fun backpacks you know camera bags and everyday bags and we took a long time so we didn't release a product for like a year and a half and it was really we were taking that time like formulating what we wanted it to be uh and then kind of just going from there and then we ended up like with this kind of great product that we we all love and that we've like really kind of become known for uh Mm -hmm. but i don't think we if we didn't take that time i don't think we would have gotten that product I think also kind of how you guys did it, like you guys launched quickly, made it quickly. Like you said, like if something was 80%, you moved on. I think there's also a lot of good in that though, because you, it doesn't stump you if like something's not perfect and you're like, oh my God, I can't continue or I can't create this business. Cause I think a lot of people today are too scared to even like make that first step that they just don't do it. So I think it's, it is a good thing that you guys like moved quickly because you learned a lot and at least like you had something to show. Did you have like a formal business plan or anything like that? Cause I know there's a lot of people that are like, you need a business plan or it's like, no, you don't need a business plan. Just do it as you like learn as you go. So what, what was it for you guys? Yeah. So I, I, I kind of laugh because we, we, in, while we were in college, we did a bunch of like these like business plan competitions. And so we would like make our business plans for these. It always like kind of worked. I actually think the business plan, the contest and like pitching. So I think something like Shark Tank um, 
like you have to like go in front of a panel of judges and they like, you know, try and poke holes in your business, things like that. I really think that the exercise of doing that. So I believe I competed in like five or six of these. Just I, I went to Syracuse and mm-hmm. they were just like on campus. And then my brothers would do that as well because they're poking holes. It kind of makes your skin a little tougher. And so you're able to really focus on like, oh, wow, like this is a problem within the business. Things like that. And so I think that always helped. But it was never like we had a business plan and we like really stuck to that. Um, overall, like now we have like, um, like a vision and a mission and things like that. And that guides more of our decision-making than anything. Yeah. When you were like pitching to people and stuff like at Syracuse and at your school, did you have a lot of people that didn't think this would work or did everyone kind of love it when you were pitching it? Oh, totally. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> so many people. I think that's like, it's, it's interesting because you have a lot of great support networks, great, like, um, like my family, my friends, you know, everyone is like, just so lovely. I remember we got like an article published in like a photography publication and like, someone was like, you know, this is like the dumbest, like effing idea I've ever heard of. And there was probably like 10 comments that were like praising us, but you yeah. were all like, it was like the first like internet hate comment I ever got. And you're just yeah. like, you're like, wow, like that little, that digs a little deeper. Um, but totally. I mean, you have people who are like, you know, backpacks are such a competitive space. Like, why do you want to enter such a competitive space? You have everything, right. Where it's just like, are there really like that many, like, people who need this in the world you you hear you hear it all over the years I think like mm-hmm. it, it is that like thicker skin where you're just like oh well like it's really easy to like point out flaws in people but like it's really hard to like do something continuously like every day for years right right I mean I think I feel like that's a rite of passage you know having those like <laughs> no's or the rejection or the oh you're never gonna totally. make it and now you're like well here I am so <laughs> I think yeah that's- Every entrepreneur, I feel like, faces something like that. <laughs> totally, totally. I, I, I honestly couldn't agree more. And it, I, it totally is like a rite of passage where you're like, well, I must be doing something right. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I definitely think that that's like a good thing that you got those no's or the rejection. And I feel like also with Brevity, you know it obviously better than anyone else. You know your brand. You know what makes you guys unique. So what do you think makes you stand out in like the backpack space? I guess, why do you guys have the best backpacks? Yeah. So I think it's kind of twofold. I think one is that, so I focus a lot on like having like this, like very like fun, approachable, you know, like when you communicate, it's so funny because it's like very businessy, but like when you communicate with us, like I want it to feel like it's me talking to you or it's like Mm -hmm. a very kind of warm, friendly person. And so we try to exude that kind of through everything that we do. So like TikTok, I think is like a great medium for that where it's like we're able to have a little more of a voice than kind of like this like static Instagram feed right. um, where it's a, a little more like kind of broken down transparent you feel like you're actually communicating with someone um, and then on the product side uh, we, we like to break it down kind of like into like three categories we say like better materials better function and like better impact and so with like the better materials we're really trying to switch over to like more sustainable we're really trying to implement like more kind of green practices really just using that kind of as our baseline not necessarily as like the selling points for our products because uh like how the bags function and like 
everything that's kind of built into them is like very intentional. We always get like comments on, on TikTok where it's like, I could get this on Alibaba. And it's like, well, no, you can't. Yeah, everything's no, like no, no. custom made, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's all like very thought out. And so my older brother, Brandon, our head of design spends a lot of time just like thinking about these bags, like the features that they have, all of this. So everything is very, very intentional and it's re- very well made. We always say that like, we would never sell a product that we wouldn't sell to like our best friend, you know, mm-hmm. and feel good about them buying, you know, because people are spending their, their hard-earned money on this. And then the third part is the impact. So just kind of using uh, the profits that we make and things like that uh, to really give back. So we did a big bag donation last year to New York City's homeless. Uh, and then this year, uh, it was like $150,000 worth of bags. And then um, this year, we actually are donating uh, 10,000 upcycle bags uh, to young students in need. So that's um, awesome. We re- yeah, we got connected with this charity. They were, they were great. Um, and they were like, you know, we don't need a monetary donation. We need backpacks. And so we're like, great, we make bags. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was that like a, a pillar in the beginning for you to give back always? Or did that happen as you continued the company? Yeah. So I, I kind of brought up like our vision and our mission earlier. And I think it's kind of, it kind of all really ties in very well, where it's like, you know, you're building your culture towards this, like everything is kind of pointed um, towards this mission and this vision. So our like mission, when we kind of came up with it felt very lofty, but it was, you know, to create lasting change for the greater good. Again, feels very kind of big and grandiose, but we always kind of wanted to have that aspiration. And so I think like these initiatives kind of just like very much lined up with it, where it's like, oh, like we want to have this like very fun, very approachable, warm brand that offers a great product, a very high quality product that we feel comfortable selling and that we can also kind of give back and 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 benefit those less fortunate than us. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I love that. I feel like it's so important as a business to, yes, obviously you have to think about your profit and stuff, but you can do so much good with that. You know, like you're donating the backpacks and it's to a cause that actually... I feel like you can directly see it because you live in New York City as well. So yeah, I, it's closer to home, I would say, for you. Yeah. And something that is really important with us is like partnering, like the organizations we choose to partner with, um, where it does feel real. You know, like for the New York City donation, we partnered with this organization, Backpacks for the Streets. And we, I think, saw them on the news. It's run by this, uh, this gay couple. They're unbelievably nice. And uh, it's so amazing to see this like just tangible impact you know where Mm -hmm. you know when it was 300 bags that were in like my parents backyard you don't you don't think that that will ever happen you know or Mm -hmm. you don't you can't foresee that happening but kind of by having this ultimate like vision mission kind of driving everything towards that it's like so cool to see it kind of like actually come about yeah your backpacks have 1500 positive reviews like uh, I think that's what I read. It was like 1500 plus reviews sold yeah. out a ton of times. So it's people are resonating that like, yeah, this is a good backpack. Like this is a quality backpack. I actually, my boyfriend is looking for a backpack. He's literally been looking like all over for one. And I just sent him the other week. I sent him your backpack. I was like, you should order this. He's like, oh, I've actually heard like a lot of good things about it. So I was oh. like, yeah, you should order that one then. <laughs> Cause he's looking for one. So I was like, just get that like <laughs> interviewing yeah, one and, of the co-founders so <laughs> and bags are bags are a funny thing you know where like people are very into their backpack 
you know, mm-hmm. like kind of across the board where it's like this interesting, like fashion accessory, but it has to be functional and well-made. And it's like, they're very complex to make as well. We manufacture out in Vietnam and kind of pre-pandemic, uh, we were doing a couple trips a year over there. So I was fortunate enough to go on one of these trips um, with my older brother and you see the complexity and it's like, it's like a shape, you know, which obviously a bag's a shape, right? Yeah. But like, yeah, yeah. it's like left side, right side, front, back. And just like every piece is like so thought out where it's like, okay, like what zippers are we using? Like, what's the design here? What are the curves and all this look like? Unbelievably fascinating. You know, here I am like marketing and selling these bags. I'm like, oh, they're, they're backpacks, you know? Yeah. Right. Right. Well, also they have to be functional. Like you said, they have to be protective because you're putting a lot of expensive things in there. Like you don't want my, like if I have a backpack and I have my laptop or my camera and then it starts pouring rain, like everything gets damaged, like that sucks. So I feel like it's those things that you have to think about. (laughs) Totally. Totally. We actually had a a TikTok go um, a little viral and it was this whole concept of uh, like buy a buy a cheap bag for your expensive camera gear because we get a lot of you know a lot of trolly comments that are all mm-hmm. about like wow this bag is so expensive you know I would never pay this much for a backpack and it's like well you know if you're gonna put like a camera a lens and like whatever like a mic in there like it's a couple thousand dollars worth your laptop as well you know it's yeah like, it's a couple thousand dollars worth of gear like might as well like know it's protected you know right and also I mean I know expensive is relative, but there are a lot more expensive bags on line totally. than yours. Like, I feel like yours is actually for how functional and like protective it is and like how good it actually is. It's one of the more affordable, like luxury backpacks, I would say. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> and that's like part of the, uh, the goal, right? Is like, mm-hmm. you know, would it be something that we would sell to our friends? And like, what is a fair price to do that? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love that. And also, I want to talk more about how it's a family business and working with your brothers, because I feel like a lot of people I interview, it's usually either solopreneurs or co-founders that aren't related. So were you always close to your family growing up? Yeah. Yeah. So very, very close. So I kind of mentioned the teamwork thing earlier. Mm-hmm. And then even another thing, um, got to thank my parents for a lot of this stuff, you yeah. know? <laughs> But what they would do is if we were ever arguing, they would never intervene. They would kind of just like, and from like, apparently like a really early age, uh, like my mom was always like, oh, like if you were like, you know, two, three years old arguing with each other, they would just like leave us. And we would just like, eventually you get like tired or whatever, or like you just resolve it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so even like internal conflicts, like we pretty much don't have any. And then if we have like disagreements or things like that, um, we bring it up pretty much immediately. And so that's been like kind of this era of like radical transparency with each, with each other has been like a huge driving factor of being able to work together. I mean, I think that's genius as parenting. I feel like letting your kids work <laughs> it out, like, cause they're going to have to deal with conflict later and clearly it served you guys well. So props to them on that. And did you grow up in like a creative household also? Did your family have entrepreneurs in them or like were your parents entrepreneurs or where did you get this like entrepreneurial drive, all three of you? Yeah. So actually, both my parents are are very entrepreneurial. So they are actually both um, immigrants to the US. So uh, my dad moved here when he was a child um, from South Korea. My mom from uh, Ireland when she was um, in her 20s. And my mom has always kind of been very entrepreneurial. She's had like a number of stores, like even in our like downtown, she used to sell like Irish like throws and scarves and such things like that. 
And then actually, God love her. She actually just started up like another like an e-com brand uh, with us as well. So we are oh, continuing awesome. to sell. Yeah, it's called Cocoon. And we're continuing to sell textiles online as well. So she just like always has had this like entrepreneurial bug. And she's always been just like super supportive. And then my dad as well. Um, so he has kind of just had like his own slew of entrepreneurial endeavors as well. Yeah, I feel like that's always something that is important to even like instill like creativity in your kids or like the, I guess not even the, just the drive to be entrepreneurial, but like that support. Cause I feel like a lot of people yeah. might not have that support, but that support is so important when you're starting a business. Totally. It's the support and it's like knowing that you can, can do this. And of course, like also acknowledging like the great privilege that, you know, like I was able to do this. Right. And we're like bootstrapped and it kind of came with its own like trials and tribulations. You know, like I, uh, I used to do like uh, photography for like lifestyle photography for brands to like pay for my like own salary for like the first like eight months I was like doing this solo. But then like, I always had like a couch to go back to. Mm-hmm. I could always like stay at my parents' place or something like that. Like right. if this didn't work. So I think like acknowledging like the trials and tribulations and like uh, the support, but then also acknowledging like that privilege as well. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's really, really important. And you guys are obviously a family business, but who was your first hire outside of your family? Yeah. So uh, I'm trying to think, cause we've done like a number of kind of contractors, but first, full-time hire was this girl on my team, Elena. Uh, She's fantastic. And so she handles a lot of kind of the brand side of things. So a lot of like more like the email communications, like the posting to social, she reaches out to like a lot of creators as well. And so she has been phenomenal, but that was even just, I would say like last year. So it's been- So you guys have a lean team, I'm, I'm guessing, right? Yes, yes. And that's, and it's very important as to us as well. Like, I think we want to make, make sure that like that kind of like warm, friendly energy um, kind of radiates throughout anyone we hire. So we're, we're quite particular and like who we actually bring on full time. We work with a lot of contractors for just miscellaneous tasks, things like that. But um, like full time hires, we definitely wanted to kind of maintain somewhat of that family feel, you know, as right. much as it can, you know, being three brothers hiring, you know, yeah. people that are obviously not the family. Yeah, no, that's that's really cool. And also going to to you now, you are on Forbes 30 under 30. Is that right? Yeah. That's awesome. What was it like, I guess, to be named Forbes 30 under 30? And like, what year was that? Was it this past year? Yeah, so it was, it was this past year. It was great. An interesting thing about what, you know, about brevity and about building this business is like, which I'm sure you know yourself, it's like so much of it's done like in silence or it's like, mm-hmm. you know, your, your friends checking in on you or they're like seeing like whatever content you're putting out and they're like, oh, wow, like that looks great, you know? Yeah. And like, that is kind of the only interaction that they have with it where it's like, oh, wow, like how fun, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so I think it was, it was an awesome opportunity for like, um, whether it was like my friends or like, you know, I guess like old connections, things like that, uh, to really be like, oh, wow, like this is going well. And they're like really doing something because mm-hmm. you don't really get that public acknowledgement elsewhere. Uh, and then it's been also just great networking with other 30 under 30, like other young founders and people that are entrepreneurial. Uh, they're kind of hard to find. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> so totally. it's great to find like people that are doing it. 
so once you like get named that is there like a ceremony was there you got contact with everyone else or like what's that like I guess or is it just like here you go congrats (laughs) well I think the most surprising thing to me is like you don't even get mailed like a like a certificate or like I feel like it would be right you feel like it would be something that's like a little like packed up or something like that it just kind of like makes it really easy to reach out to people. Um, and so there, there was like a, an opening ceremony, which was really cool. One of the other companies uh, like set up this happy hour. I think they were like a messaging platform, but they would just like match you with random founders. And you kind of had this pre-existing trust because you were already like a 30 under 30, just talking mm-hmm. with another 30 under 30. It was really cool. So yeah, it's, it's been like an awesome honor to have. Oh, I'm surprised that they don't send you anything. I would have thought it was like, you know, like YouTube when you hit 100K or you hit a million, they send you like a plaque right? to hang up on your wall. I was like, I think that that's something that they would, like, there's not that many of you, you know, I know it's like different categories, but like, it's not Still, a you know? huge amount of people. Like, <laughs> No, no silver play button yeah. for us, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's funny. But I mean, congrats on that. I feel like that's a huge accomplishment. And like you were saying, Thank you. things are done in silence, you know? So it's- it's like that validation and also just that like recognition. I feel like that's probably really cool. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I, I completely agree. And it was, you know, just a great honor. I was, uh, I was actually like with my parents when it happened too. we were like in like upstate New York. And so it was like awesome to be able to like share this moment with them. Yeah. And what is the best advice that you've received along this whole entrepreneurial journey? Cause I know you started in around 2014, 2015. Yeah. So the past seven years, like what's the best advice that you've gotten? Yeah. So I actually received, this is very random advice, um, but I received it from like, like a poli sci professor I had, and he had like worked a career in politics and whatnot. And his advice was treat everybody with dignity and respect. And it always stuck with me. And uh, some of like the best connections I've made, some of the best advice I've heard had just come from that from random conversations with people who you don't feel like could really impact what you're doing, but just like taking the call or whatnot, uh, kind of really change your whole mindset. Yeah. Just treating everyone with dignity and respect. So most meetings and whatnot, I try to go in with very little ego and things like that. Cause I think, I don't like, I don't know. I think people kind of like, they become so shut off to feedback and things Mm -hmm. like that. They're like, Oh, I know better, but it's like, do you really, you know, yeah. Um, or do you know, do you know better that you're not going to, you know, li- even listen to this person or listen to what they have to say? So I always try to go into like any meetings I have with any anyone really, and just like not have an ego and be able to treat everyone with dignity and respect. Well, I love that. I think that that's so important, and also as you continue to grow, as brevity continues to grow, I feel like having that kind of be at your foundation or one of your, the things that you live by is going to really serve you well, because like you said, a lot of people do have a big ego and they'll let that dictate like their actions or their words. So it's important that that's like something that you actually want to live by. So I, I really love that piece of advice. Yeah, absolutely. And before we go, can you plug yourself? Where can they find you? Where can they find if you have a public Instagram or brevity or where can they shop it? Yeah. So I don't, I feel like just staying out of the limelight a little bit, yeah. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're at brevity, B-R-E-V-I-T-E on pretty much all platforms. Our website is B-R-E-V-I-T-E dot C-O. So brevity.co, not.com. Um, and yeah, that, that's us. 
Awesome. Can they shop you in store or is it all online direct to consumer? Yeah. So it's all only on the internet. Okay, cool. No, that's, that's awesome though. That's cool. That you got the word out so much, like even just being on your own, you know, I think that's even more impressive. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Real Real. I hope that you enjoyed and don't forget to rate, review, follow, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Natalie Barbu and the podcast at The Real Real Podcast. I'll see you next Monday. Hey, my name is Lovan Rumpf, and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here, and vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then. <laughs>